0: Everyone, and welcome back to the ENC podcast. My name is Shelby Robinson, and I am your host for this series. Joining me today as co host is Carrie Lewis. Carrie, welcome back to the podcast. Hey, thank you. We're glad to have you back. If you uh, remember, Carrie was on towards the beginning of the start of this podcast. So, uh, again, glad to have you back. Um, Today, we are continuing our Conversations That Matter series with another special guest, Zach Dixon, this week. Welcome to the podcast, Zach. Thank you, Shelby. We're glad to have you. So for those who maybe haven't watched the message yet or haven't listened to it, um, they may not be familiar with who you are. Um, So I would love for us to just start out with you giving us a brief uh, description of who you are.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm talking to you right now from South Carolina. Um, And today, I don't know if you'll play around with dates, but today, what is today actually? The October what?
2: The
1: 16th. 16th. The 16th. I just voted early today down here. Um, felt really good.
2: I like and your sticker. You even got the... Oh, yeah. Oh,
1: yeah. Y'all can see that. Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm, I'm so proud of this. But um, yeah, me and my wife, Ashley, we went together today and voted. Um, she is, as I said in the video, um, my wife is 10 years, over 10 years, and she's my best friend. I'm not proud of a lot of things in my life, but I am proud of my marriage. And so I'm very thankful for her. And um, and then we also have made two little kids. Uh, our little girl, Everly, is four, about to be five in December. We call her Evie. And then my son, Dax, is two. And uh, today he's getting his first big boy haircut um, taken into my barbershop wow. today, um, this afternoon. And, That's a big um, it's a yeah, rite of it, passage. It is. It is. And he It's not going to go well. And he It's going to freak, he's going to freak out and everybody in that barbershop is going to wish they scheduled their appointment on a different day, a different time. And I don't know what to do about that, but, um, but yeah, so we, we live in South Carolina. Um, I have a, so I'm a licensed, uh, professional counselor. Um, I just turned 36, which is crazy to say, um, cause I don't, feel like i should be 36 um staring down at 40 you know um right around the corner because my heart and my mind um just feel still like a little 23 year old but um so yeah we have a counseling practice called hopetown and it's been in existence now for uh since 2016 um I've, i've been a pastor uh at one point, I've worked in nonprofit at one point, um, and I've worked for the state mental health world for a little bit as I was pursuing my my uh, master's in licensure. And, and uh, because, um, I'm sure we'll get into it, but being a counselor wasn't my plan. Um, marketing was my degree, um, actually, in undergrad. And um and so, but in 2016, we decided to leave the state mental health world and start Hopetown part-time. And, um, and so I actually didn't leave the state mental health world. I did the Hopetown part-time, just building up clientele. And then in 2018, we started, we took the massive leap um, and started Hopetown full-time. And so this is, this is what we do. This is what I do. I can't believe I get to do this. This is, this is, this is so wild to me. Um, this wasn't my plan. Um, but it makes sense also when I look back and see how the Lord has shaped me and wired me. Um, it makes sense.
0: Awesome. Well, when you talk about that kind of plan that you mentioned a few times there, I wonder if you can tell us a little bit more about Hopetown and kind of how that um, came to be.
1: Yeah. It, so Hopetown, I always tell people it birthed, um, and Shelby, I'm sure you know, like it birthed out of uh, pain. Um, it birthed out of my own suffering. So uh, in college and my undergrad at Clemson university in South Carolina, it's a public school in, in South Carolina. Um, I see, are you a Tar Heel fan? You got the hat. Okay. Um, I like Tar Heels. It's fine. Um, but, uh, so I went to Clemson and w- while I was at Clemson, um, Shelby and Carrie, I, struggled severely. And I said a little bit of this on the video. Um, uh, the session I, I, I did for y'all is that I struggled severely with anxiety. Um, I didn't know at the time, but it was, uh, Really, a mental health disorder called panic disorder. I would later get diagnosed with that. And so um, I I struggled with it all throughout college um, and didn't tell anyone because I was a Christian. I, I turned up the Southern twang there because I was a Christian and Christians didn't struggle with, you know, anyway. <laughs> it's a, um, at least that was my mindset, you know. And so I was in leadership in my college ministry and wanted to be a pastor and so I couldn't struggle supposedly with things like anxiety at least that was my mindset and so um I didn't talk about it I didn't tell anyone and when I after Clemson moved down to Florida to be a youth pastor um I had a breakdown um and that was when I was officially diagnosed with panic disorder and cuz I would have panic attacks all the time every day throughout the day at that point and really my my body was giving up and and saying like we're done um, and obviously, I didn't know all the ins and outs of of that scientifically yet, but um, or f- physiologically yet. But um, through counseling, found healing, which was problematic at first because this was science and science was opposing uh, or an opposition of God at the time for me and, and my paradigm, the way I view things. I, I obviously don't view things that way now. Um, but, uh, but yeah, God chose, I, cause I had tried everything. I, I, I tried, you know, prayer, um, fasting, you know, I tried every overtly spiritual thing in the book, um, to, to get rid of my anxiety and none of it worked for me. It doesn't mean it might not work for somebody else, someone else, but for me it didn't. Um, but counseling and medication did. Um, and so I'm so thankful um, by the grace of God that I live in a time when God can use those kind of things that he has those resources that he created in my opinion to, to heal people. And, and so um, through that whole process, long story short, I fell in love with this. I kind of saw where, you know, I was wired for this because I realized as a pastor, I loved meeting with people, but only got to do that like 20% of the time. Um, because as I'm sure y'all know in ministry, like it's so many different hats that you wear. And I was like, what if there was something where way I could do this all the time and hang out, you know, meet with people and not hang out. We meet and do work together. Um, but, uh, and so that was obviously the, the easy answer was, was, was counseling. And, and so I get to do that. And so that's when I decided to, you know, kind of change course and go back to school. Um, in my late twenties, I think I was around 28 and to get my master's and, uh, in, in professional counseling and, and then got licensed by the state of South Carolina. And um, so, yeah, that's how we got here. But Hopetown, it, you know, that's why I tell people all the time, like it with, I can never get away from this fact that if Zach didn't suffer, Hopetown would not exist. And that's just like the cold, hard truth. Like the thing that I cannot, as much as I try to get away from it, I can't um, get away from it. That if I didn't have a breakdown, Maybe God could have done it some other way. I don't know. But I definitely think it expedited the process and, and my breakdown led to all that, uh, that is good right now with, with Hopetown um, and and what we get to do for a profession, which is crazy.
2: (laughs) Thank you for sharing your story. I think it's so important. Like you said, so many people just bear it in silence and mm-hmm. shame and not realizing how common it is, how common it is in educational communities. And the majority of students have struggled with anxiety or depression in the last six weeks. So, like, you know, there's data from Active Minds or other organizations that shows how common it is. Uh, but we're so afraid to talk about it. So thank you for being so vulnerable and sharing that with us. Yeah, and, of course. Um, and you're yeah, also especially helping.
1: In- Go ahead. You're helping yeah.
2: like expand our imagination too of how the spirit works. So yeah, it's, there you go. prayer is a big piece of it. Spiritual discipline is a big piece of it. Um, but the spirit works in so many other ways through other people, that's through it. conversations. And even in, you know, what you share in the video, I don't want to spoil it for everyone, but one of the pieces when you mentioned James five, where how important it is for us to confess and speak to yes. one another and share it and how that's where a lot of the healing happens. Yeah, um, I mean, so thank exactly you for helping he us says. expand that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And that's really like one of the greatest honors in my life that I feel like at Hopetown, we get to do exactly, I might start saying it the way you said it, Carrie, because I like that. We get to expand or create, I man, I love the way you said it, actually. The imagination that we get to, to our, 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 the bigness of, because that's what happened in me when I realized like, oh my goodness, God, you use these things too. And so God became much bigger it was like this playground that used to just be like monkey bars and that was it now became you know this playground with all types of, of of fun things on it and you know and um and so yes uh and i and i feel like that's such a cool thing for me to have that opportunity on a daily basis to open people's imagination to to see how 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 good god is and how big he is and how big you know the world is and um And it just breathes in so much more grace. Like I can say that for a fact that Zach was legalistic. Um, He still has to fight it. Um, But there's so much more grace in my life, you know, since my imagination has been increased of how the spirit works. And so, yeah.
0: I kind of have two questions. I think that that branch off of some of the things that you just said. Um, The first one Um, this is just thinking about um, in your video, even you shared about the secret struggle um, with anxiety and then also the feelings of like embarrassment and shame and um, that you had a lack of faith and things like that. So I think in thinking about my own struggle, like admitting it was step one, right? Like you have to Mm -hmm. get to that place where you can say like, yes, I have whatever struggle it is. And you kind of mentioned that in your message. So the first question from that, I think, would be for one who is listening who hasn't taken that first step yet, um, who who maybe internally like they know that there is a struggle but they um, aren't taking that step to admit it. What kind of advice would you offer for those um, students or even community members that may listen to this podcast?
1: Yeah, I think it's so important. You know, I think that I would say that the the energy spent trying to keep it hidden. Um, is so much more exhausting than when, you, when it's out in the open. There's so much more, free, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I can't remember who said it, um, which is not very, very scholarly of me, but um, they say, you can Google it and give him or her the credit, <laughs> but they say, um, when, when we become a lover of what is, the war is over. When we, when we become a lover of what is, the war is over, and so much of it isn't just that basic acceptance of reality and I assure you whoever's listening to y'all and whoever I know it's scary to think about other people knowing. I know it's scary because you don't know how to say it or tell someone um, but I promise you um, that if you have tell the right person, all it takes is one um, when you if you accept what is. Warts, wrinkles, and all—you know the good things and the struggle, the, the, the things that you might feel shame or guilt over. When you accept that, and even you start to make that communal, I'm telling you, there's still some work to be done, but the main war is over. There's so much freedom in being able, um, to 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 walk around as Brennan. I don't know if you know Brendan Manning is another author. You know, he's like, be okay with others knowing how phony you actually are. Like, and that's so free. I know it sounds so like startling maybe, but for me, it's like so freeing. Like it's so freeing that other people know, because I spent so much of my life trying to be perfect or trying to be on top of things and trying to never waver and never be shaken and all these like, you know, just, that's why I can't sing these worship songs that talk about how much, I'm I'm not going to be shaken, Lord. I'm, not, I'm like, no, what in the world? what Bible do you read that, 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 that shows that the men and women of God were never shaken? It's all throughout it. One chapter, they're good. The next chapter they're not. And, and somehow it, it becomes different for us. And so um, that is our reality is that we're shaken often or that we're not perfect and we struggle. That is a part of the deal. Um, but when we accept that, when we become a lover of that, even, and i would make a case that paul became a lover of that if you think about second corinthians when he talks about um you know the, he, he he's learned to to boast in his weaknesses when we become a lover of what is half the war is over and i know it's scary but when you take that first step and you start walking in that freedom of just being able to be you struggles warts wrinkles and all like it's so freeing it's so freeing
2: in that i just think about how easy it is for us to accept things in others, but the lack of acceptance in ourselves and then along with yes. that forgiveness as well of, of forgiving yourself for having a struggle, for doubting, for having that moment of shakenness, like you're saying. Um, but I wonder how much of the anxiety is in that too, that inability to forgive yourself.
1: Yeah, And, and I think too, Carrie, I think we got to be careful as well because I don't think we need forgiveness. I don't think we need to forgive ourselves for the feeling, for instance, in this case, anxiety. If we just use that as an example, or like, like
2: acceptance, I guess of like accepting that that's human and and okay.
1: Yeah, 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 and 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 that's a process. That's a journey. Like, you know, to 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 to, and I know this might sound heretical, but like I I feel like you know, our job as Christians, maybe our most sacred job at this point and where we're, we find ourselves in the church and faith, in my opinion, is that we maybe are the best thing that we could do to reflect crisis, to be human and to, to, to accept, you know, our, our humanity, you know, and, and I tell my clients all the time, my goal for you, if somebody comes into my office that deals with anxiety, for instance, my goal for you is not to have you not be anxious <laughs> because you're human. You're not God. You're not an angel. I don't think Carrie. And so you will sp- experience anxiety. In this life, in this world Jesus himself You know, experienced anxiety Probably the greatest amount of anxiety That any of us have ever experienced To the point where he um, Sweat blood Which apparently can happen (laughs) In real life And so You know So my goal is not for someone to to not feel anxious um, Or to not feel angry But as Paul says In your anger, do not sin So my goal is like okay, we're going to be anxious. We're going to be angry. Let's learn to, 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 to control it rather than it controlling us. And, and that's the biggest difference in 36 year old Zach and and 23 year old Zach is, um, is anxiety still present in my life? You better believe it, especially in 2020. <laughs> um, but does it have rule over my life? No, not anymore. And that's the difference.
2: And thinking of 2020, and even um, the fact that you voted today has brought this up. I mean, what um, tools or practices or um, advice do you have in this season, which seems to be going, you know, we're ten months into the season of, mm-hmm. of 2020 stress? Uh, but thinking of right now, what are some practices or advice do you have, particularly for our college community, as we are really in the thick of this election season? Um,
1: Yeah. um, I won't tell you who to vote for. (laughs) Um, Just, I mean, obviously vote, but uh, it's a good question. And honestly, Carrie, I I feel like I've failed at this question so many times this year and especially early on. Um, The the biggest help for me lately has been getting off social media completely for right now. Um, So I haven't posted in over a month probably. And that's probably the longest I've gone in forever. And I think it was just becoming an echo chamber. I would recommend watching a Netflix documentary too called the social dilemma. Um, and that really opened my eyes up too. And, and I just realized I was in this, I was in this, uh, this kind of like spinning mouse wheel, you know, that I just didn't, I, I, there was no, I was having conversations on social media with, with, you know, the same people and, and I don't know. And, and so the, I ha, I've had to just quiet the noise. Um, My family and I back in August actually got COVID Um, me and my wife and my two kids. And, and so, and that was really scary for us. And so we, it's been a, a re- really difficult um, obviously a year for everybody, but then getting COVID was, you know, we're all fine, I think for the most part, you know, but the emotional trauma of having it was, was another thing. And, and so, um, so we've had to practice what we preach, and especially in this season, self care um, has is is massive. And I'm in the business of self care, and so I know I'm a little bit biased. But um, I think for Christians, we think of self care as selfish. Um, but I always go back to the two greatest commandments when Jesus says to love of the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and the second is to love your neighbor. But I've always stopped there. Um, He says, love your neighbor as you love yourself, (laughs) as you love yourself. So if I'm not able to love myself, my whole self, Carrie and Shelby, that means my body, my mind and emotions, my relationships and my soul, those four major components of being human. I have to learn to love all four parts of myself, take care of my whole self especially in seasons like this, Um, your capacity, your window of tolerance is going to be much smaller during seasons like this. It is traumatic for all of us. If even if we're not willing to admit it, you know, we, we, we define trauma as when reality wounds us. And so we are all some more than others being wounded by reality right now. And so because of that, our window, which maybe was, I'm, showing my hands, which none of you all listening can see, but, you know, might've been, you know, for, further apart now it's, it's much smaller. Um, and so our capacity is not going to be what it was. So we have to, to really, in my opinion, um, say no to a lot of things and get things down to just a few things. And, and one of those things better be take, taking care of our whole self and that being our body, um, loving our body, our mind, our relationships, and our soul. So I don't know if that makes sense.
2: No, oh, that's so helpful. I mean, that's probably the biggest challenge for me. Like, even though we're however many months into the pandemic, I still expect to be able to do what pre-COVID Carrie could do. And I'm no longer capable of all of those things. Plus I have, you know, a second grade homeschooler in, at home too. So,
1: oh wow, that,
2: you know, that just adds, but Um, it's still like a shock every day at the end of the day. Like, why am I so tired? (laughs) This is the capacity.
1: It's the capacity, you know, what you once could handle. You can't right now. And that's okay. And that takes some humility, obviously to say that and to accept that. Um, But yes, um, we'll get it back. Don't worry. You know, we'll get it back. Um, We will get past this. I do believe that. I always have my ear to the ground in the science community and I'm more encouraged every day um by by what I'm hearing and, and, and so we're gonna get past this. It, it may still get hard again, you know, um, as far as the pandemic and and health the public health uh, goes, but we're gonna get past this and and Carrie's capacity will get back. Zach's capacity, Shelby's capacity will get back. Um, but that time is just not right now. And we need to humbly accept that and 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 whittle down our responsibilities you know, as much as we can um, and love ourselves. And as we, and, and then in that, you know, I'm I'm loving myself so that I can love others and love, love God. Like, and that's the difference. Like I'm not loving, I'm just, I think people translate, <clears throat> I don't know if y'all have seen Parks and Rec, but I think people uh, translate, you know, love yourself as treat yourself. <laughs> you know, there's a difference in my opinion, like, you know, and I'm not saying that sometimes we don't need to treat ourselves, but, um, but I, I'm not necessarily saying treat yourself. I am. I'm am saying love yourself, so that you can love others.
0: Uh, kind of to flip the conversation a little bit, um, thinking about experiences that people have had where um, maybe their faith community has said that God's will is for you to be whole and healed. Um, if God hasn't healed you, it's because you don't have enough faith, which. Um, yeah. but- I personally don't believe it to be true. And also, I feel like that's a very harmful, like, uh, viewpoint to have on it. So in an effort for those in our community to not essentially make things worse. um, So speaking, I guess, directly to faculty, staff, um, community members that listen to this podcast, how can we like as a community really build that bridge um, just to destigmatize mental health um, to even create a safe place for students to share where they don't feel that shame or that um, embarrassment?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. And, and one that is a soapbox for me and <laughs> I have to make sure I'm speaking kindly about it. Because um, I, th- I feel like for some reason, Shelby, I don't know if this is your, your experience or y'all's experience, th- that typically comes from, I, I typically hear something like that from the more charismatic or Pentecostal type believer who I love and and I'm so thankful for my brothers and sisters that, you know, are, are, are more in that realm of, of their faith. Um, but we just have to humbly correct that false teaching. In my opinion, um, we have to create and teach a healthy, um, perspective, belief in brokenness and in suffering. And because uh, way back uh, when I was in my early 20s, I heard a pastor talk about this idea of quote unquote there, um, where I feel like there, there used to be this understanding in me. And I see it still today that the closer we get to God, the closer we get to Jesus, then we're supposed to be there. Like, there where we're just on top of everything, there where we don't struggle with this anymore, there where we're not broken, or there, you know. But the reality is, and especially when I look at scripture, okay, and the people of faith that never quite got it together as far as like being there. Like, they didn't get there. Why should we? And this is even post, like, you know, uh, uh, Jesus on the cross, coming back to life, Holy Spirit, like still not getting there and still dealing with brokenness. And so I just tell people, and we have to teach, educate that there Shelby just doesn't exist in this life. There where we're just on top of everything just doesn't exist. It just doesn't. And the, the quicker we can accept that, the quicker that we can, can give grace to ourselves. We can hopefully bring down some of that false teaching. Um, in my opinion, and because the reality is I'm not saying that he doesn't give us victory. Cause like I said, with my anxiety, it doesn't rule me any more, but the reality is, and I think that this is what I see in scripture. And what I see in my own experience and other people's experiences is that once we get past something, Shelby, there's always what? Something else, <laughs> something else from now until kingdom come, there will always be something in our life. And if we think that, we're because we're growing in our faith in Christ because we're walking more closely with him that that is that means that we shouldn't struggle or we shouldn't be broken or we're not whole or whatever um we're just going to we're going to heap judgment on ourselves and there's going to be so much condemnation and guilt um and shame in our lives forever um but accepting that you know as long as Zach is here on this earth he will be broken um. That doesn't mean that he's not going to have victories. That doesn't mean he's not going to, you know, you know, get past things. But the reality is, is there always be something that I'm working on? And do I like that always? No. <laughs> but again, I just see, you know, even when I think about, you know, the, 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 the letters to the church of Corinth that Paul wrote, you know, that's Paul at the end of his life, historically. And he is not the strongest person in my opinion that I, that I, a person that I would think that he would be at this point, you know, he he's admitting his struggling. He's a, he, it seems like he's a, even if you read second Corinthians four, in my opinion, he seems a little bit insecure, you know, that some of his friends, people that have been, you know, listening to him, following him or, are, are, are now leaving him and going, following these other people that sound better, look better, whatever. Um, and so he's still struggling with, you know, his humanity, his brokenness. And so, you know, we just got to educate people, teach that, you know, when we hear it, just call it out and love. Um, and, um, yeah. So I don't know if that helps or again. I don't know if that makes sense, but
2: yeah. Where do you see hope? Um, especially thinking of mental health and, and, you know, you can get caught up in the, we're always going to struggle too, but, um, like you said, those, those victories, but where do you see hope? Um, what are some of the good things that you're seeing in the community in which you're serving?
1: Yeah. I, I'm so thankful that I get a front row seat with my job to, to see, I mean, like I said, I want y'all to hear me clearly, even though there's a level of brokenness that will always be there. Like people healing still happens, you know, and today and, you know, I get so much hope when I see people um, that were afraid of God, not be afraid and understand the grace of God. Like grace is so good y'all. Like, and when people get a taste of it, like a real taste of it. And unfortunately, like a lot of people in the South, at least there's a church on every corner and there's a lot of fundamentalism and, and, and whatnot here. And, And it's so cool to see, um, you know, not only someone's mind be restored, but then like there's to watch their soul, um, you know, be able to, to, to loosen up and for them to be able to, I get so much hope from people being able to think with nuance. I know that sounds so simple. Um, but when I see people just, you know, kind of relax, um, and not take themselves too seriously, um, that's just such a, a hopeful thing for me. And, and obviously, you know, th- that just, you know, uh, flows, uh, you know, from them to their marriage or their family or their friend circle or whatever it is. Um, you know, and so th- the fact that, you know, cause the work that I do is not just a, with the person, it's generational because if a person changes, then there's a good chance that they're Next in li- their next line of, of their family tree is going to change too, you know my wife and i we we knew that when we got married we we were going to have to be the patriarch and matriarch in a lot of ways in our family that you know and with some things that you know our parents just didn't quite track down you know and and so but but it's so cool um my, so like my great 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 grandkids may not know why they have something you know in their life that's good um but I believe and 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 I hope this doesn't sound too prideful, that but that it started with us, and so I love seeing people obviously change and and have more grace and um and, and more nuance in their life um and then seeing how that just you know infiltrates their family and um and I know it's going to be a you know a generational thing at that point because and sorry, this is a long answer. I, I, just recently, I realized, um, you know, that the 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 the, um, the platform that I have, like the the influence that I have, like because I'll I get to travel, I'll travel and speak, and sometimes you can get caught up in this, you know, being a speaker and coming in and you know speaking to these big crowds or whatever, and and I've just realized like the the influence that I have. In here, in this, I'm talking to y'all in my office, you know, when somebody's sitting on the couch, the classic counseling couch, and I'm in the chair, you know, the influence that I have is just, um, I'm very humbled by it, um, because it's in that one-on-one, one-on-two, one-on-three, um, that stuff just, like, really breaks free from people, um, and so, uh, that's, that's very hopeful, um, for me. And, and I'm so encouraged by like, uh, how, how old are y'all feel about me asking?
2: I'm in my late thirties, just like you are. So welcome to the late thirties club. Nice. I'm 38.
1: <laughs> so I, I don't know if you would say this, Carrie, but I'm so encouraged by the younger generation,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, that just like, uh, you know, I know it's kind of like people will turn me, turn me off when I say they're a woke generation, but like, I mean, they, they kind of are, they care about things that I never cared about at their age. Yeah. And the way they, they, way they see things and see the world and they're so open. Um, and it's just super encouraging for me, like when it comes to like the future, um, especially in a year where like so many things have been exposed, um, you know, that I knew was present in, in especially in our country, but, but I just didn't know how bad it was, um, especially with something like racism, for instance, you know, but to see how our younger generation is just like, no, like this is, this is not okay. this is so anti-gospel and to see them actually investing and learning the things that they're learning and doing the things that it's just super encouraging. And I'm actually, I'm actually hopeful for our country, believe it or not. Um, So even though November 3rd is looming at this point.
2: (laughs) That's why we need to be reminded of those hopeful stories. There is hope. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: I think I have uh, one at least final question from me. Carrie may have another one, but um, Carrie and I have even talked about this on campus before about maybe when we go through struggles or we are having difficulty with mental health issues, that kind of thing. um, We have this tendency to only share the the hope in it once we've overcame it or we get to that there that you maybe mentioned earlier. Um, So how do we, I don't know. I don't even know how to really frame this question well, but in the midst of the struggle, like how do we have healthy and hopeful conversations um, about those things?
1: Yeah. And I think that, and I get that. And I think I, I was there too. And, and I think it is okay not to have to tell the world, like you don't have to get on social media or like, but you do need to have your few people that are walking with you in the midst of your restoration. Like it's just so important that you don't wait till you get there um, till you get past it or whatever. Um, you know, it, it's almost like, I know this, this thought just came to my head, you know, we were uh, wanting to take uh, family pictures and I was like, ah, this, but this is such a toxic way to think too, by the way, I was like, let me just like lose a few pounds and then I'll take family pictures, <laughs> you know, which is so toxic. I have another, that's a whole other thing with diet culture. Anyway, we won't go there, but, um, but you know, it's kind of a mindset that I got to wait till, 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 till I show myself or reveal, you know, like, no, like it's so important because the journey is the point, the process is the point. It's not about the destination it's so much of a, it is about the journey and the process. Um, and when we make things about destinations, we're just going to be so unhappy. Um, and so we need to, like every great epic story, I always think of Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter or something. Um, you know, they, you know uh, Sam and, and, and Frodo, them at the end, I mean, that, it took how many movies or how many words to, you know, it was about the journey. That's what made that series, you know, by Tolkien so good. Um, and so it, it is about the journey and the thing is, Shelby, like one of the reason I love that question, because if we do that, I really believe that our purpose here is, is to experience intimacy. Um, we always say into me, see, I know that's cheesy, um, but intimacy in, into me, see, see into me. And when we, when we let people in, whoever that is, and, and again, it doesn't have to be everybody, but those few people um, that we live life with, it just creates intimacy. It creates intimacy. Like the reason I said that I'm proud of my marriage, we're not like perfect. We don't make each other. It's not like we don't ever make each other mad. We do that every day. Um, but there's nothing about me that she, that Ashley cannot see. Um, there's nothing about her that I don't see. Like we, we see each other, we know each other. And what that does is that creates intimacy. Um, And so I would encourage people like to, even though you're not quote unquote there, um, that you would let people in, in your journey there, because man, the relationships that are formed and deepened in that process, if you allow them is so rich and we'll just, I mean, that's why we're here is relationships in my opinion, relationships with God and relationships with others. And if we, are not letting them in on that journey of, of, uh, reconciliation. Um, you know, we're just missing out on the goodness of life. Man is so good when people know you and you know them. Um, yeah.
2: I know uh, we need to probably wrap up, but I guess one last question that I would have um, for those who are part of that community kind of surrounding a person who is sharing their struggles. What advice do you have for that friend or roommate or family member um, in supporting their friend who's struggling with anxiety?
1: Yeah, That's a great question and an important one, because I think sometimes we're so overwhelmed when somebody comes to us like that. Um, and I'm sure y'all talk, y'all talk about this a lot, but presence is so much, not like Christmas present, but presence, your presence, um, is everything. And I would encourage people to stay away from the advice giving, stay away from, you know, in some cases, um, stay away from playing devil's advocate because the devil don't need an advocate. Um, you know, and so um, because, and, and two, um, the reality is, is that people usually don't listen to our advice anyway. People are going to do what they want to do. That was a great lesson to learn as a counselor, trust me. Um, and it is to listen, to really focus on becoming a person that is present and a person that listens. And, and, I, tr- and I promise you that if we are there with the person and that we listen to the person You know, somebody definitely, people need to point me in the right direction as far as like, you know, professional counselors and doctors. And that was really helpful. Um, But the pressure is not on you. And a person changes. A person will change. um, Yes, obviously by the spirit in them, but uh, it, it will be that person that changes themselves. You know, like I can't change anyone. I can't. Only that person can change. Um, but they do need me. I'm okay saying that we need each other. Um, for some reason, Christians sometimes are weird about saying that all I need is Jesus, you know, but we need each other. We need each other. And, and so they will need you, but what they need most is your presence. Um, maybe a Starbucks drink, maybe, uh, or is it Dunkin' Donuts up there? Is it, Dunkin's real big up there isn't it.
2: Duncan's big, but we have, we have Starbucks on campus. Okay.
1: Okay. So, you know, if it's Starbucks or like in just a listening ear and there's not a lot of people that are listening is an art. And so we have to become better at it and that's a whole other session. Um, But there, there, there's so much healing and just having someone that listens and listen, listening is everything. Like I always tell people, like if you go to a counselor and they talk more than you like find a new counselor, You know, if you're sharing your guts with a friend and and they're talking more than you, you know, if they're a good friend, like tell them like, hey, like, it kind of hurts me when you're talking the whole, you know, and maybe they're talking just because they're uncomfortable. Maybe they're talking because they're scared and they don't, you know, but just assure them like you can just listen. So so I just need you to listen, you know.
0: That's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that, Zach. Um, Anything else from you, Carrie?
2: No, thank you so much for this. Um, October is our Mental Health Awareness Month on campus, so we've been doing a number of events. Um, So this really is fitting that this is the time that you'll be on the podcast. So thank you so much for being with
0: us and sharing.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having me.
0: Well, thank you to all who are listening in on the podcast. We hope that you join us next time for the continuation of the series, Conversations That Matter. This podcast series is sponsored by the Kaufman Initiative. The Kaufman Initiative is an endeavor sponsored by Eastern Nazarene College, supported and funded by the Kaufman family. The goal of the Kaufman Initiative is to reinvigorate Christian witness in America and has three aspects. The vision is to allow the ENC and local community to hear and be impacted by stories and practical wisdom of how to be faithfully Christian, both inside and outside of the workplace. The Kaufman Initiative for the Renewal of Christian Witness exists to inform and inspire our community students, faculty, staff, local pastors and churches, and the broader Christian population to embark on a lifetime of fruitful witness and enhance the impact of ENC's mission, both on campus and by extension into the world through her alumni for decades to come.